Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on May the 24th, 2021. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, back by popular demand... Hi, me, Ashley, Peaks Booter. Hi. Yay! On today's episode, we will be discussing the games that we have been playing. We'll have a couple of news articles, if we have time for them. The Twitch Hot Tub meta is changing. Yes, that's right, Hot Tub, with a new category. And the Borderlands movie gets a little bit of an update from Randy Pitchford. Uh, Also, we will be having a Steam Discovery queue. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hi, Lexi. Hi. Welcome back, and also to a proper episode. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? Not too shabby on this, uh, yeah, doing pretty good. Uh, Just an update for everyone listening on Rage's computer stuff. We were really hoping that he was going to get his uh, motherboard back before uh, normal recording time. But when he got the tracking information update, it says it's supposed to be there Wednesday. And that's just cutting it way too close to be able to record an episode and get it edited and out on time. So, um, you know, like I said, back by popular demand, had some people be like, hey, Lexi was was pretty cool. We like her. She should come back sometime. So here she is. She's back. Oh, Lexi's back. Tell a friend. <laughs> uh, no, that's super flattering. Makes me blush a little bit. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're uh, you're the token girl. So you got it. They, uh, they they want you back. Fair enough. I am the token girl. <laughs> so um, as as is the custom for the normal show, we're going to immediately go on a tangent and talk about cooking stuff. Uh, do you do a lot of cooking, Lexi? Um, I don't do a lot of cooking, but I, I do cook every now and then. I know how to not burn the house down, so you know. <laughs> that is that is good. That is not good for lack of trying. <laughs> Dude, I made a fucking scrumptious brisket. Like it's cleaning out my freezer. Had to I had to de uh, defrost it. My deep freeze um, last week or two weeks ago. And, like, buried at the bottom of the freezer was a brisket. And I'm like, oh, I got to cook this. Like, I'm going to be home alone this week. I got to go to, I do have to go to Nashville. I want to, like, cook something easy, you know, have it ready to go. And I made a brisket, and I haven't made one in a while. And it was just, mwah, just, like, crumble. Or crumble's maybe the wrong way to describe it. But just, like, fall apart, no knife needed, great flavor. I don't have a smoker, so it's not the best that it could be cuz smoking a brisket is the best way to cook one. But with some cast iron searing and a loving rub to make it uh make it give it the right flavor, you can get real close. This is probably the best brisket I've ever made. I was very pleased. Nice, nice, nice. No, the most cooking I've ever done. I've made a meatloaf. Those are fun to make to me. <laughs> they feel it feels disgusting and your hands get cold, but at the same time, that gross pe- it's just fun. But um, I tried out while I was still in university, one of the um, like meal kit deliveries, like one of those. Yeah, there's there's a bunch of them. Do you know which yeah. one you use? Yeah, yeah. I used uh, HelloFresh. I just wasn't sure if I could name it or not. Yeah, yeah who gives a shit? Name but, whatever yeah, you want. No. I used HelloFresh and I really liked it. Um, 
And the only problem was I would put it on my school because the mailroom for my school always closed at like 4 p.m. And the package always came like at six or seven and then they didn't know where to take it. So it would end up showing up late if at all. Yeah. So I had to cancel it and it is a little bit expensive, but that's where I got some of my cooking stuff from. And I remember one specific that I tried was like a flatbread pizza sort of thing. It was, it was good. And I was proud of myself because that was, I think the first time that I cooked outside of my parents. home. (laughs) Yeah. I, I like those little meal planning or the meal delivery whatevers. Um, especially for like finding interesting recipes that I wouldn't normally look for because they just, you know, especially for the trials that, that we've done before, they just send you like a box with some stuff in it, at least the ones we've used before. They don't make a lot of sense for us because there's four people living in my home and it gets way expensive to do that versus just like going to the the, the store and buying ingredients and things. But if you're like a single person or just a couple, um, I think that those are like awesome alternatives for people who like work or do school and don't have a lot of time or energy. And I think they're really good for teaching people to cook who don't really know how to cook since the instructions are really clear and simple and you get pictures and stuff. Yeah. And it's really nice too, because with the uh, recipes and stuff that you get, it's a piece of paper, you can keep it. So even when you stop using it together, if you liked that meal, you can keep it and just look up what ingredients you used and they'll make it later on. So yeah. Yeah we've, done win, for, yeah, we've done that for several that we've gotten um, like uh, what, like Korean barbecue stir fry or something like that as a recipe we got from HelloFresh or Blue Plate or, you know, one of them. And uh, that's stuck with us for a few years. We, have, we haven't done one in a while, but they're uh, they're good. Yeah, my parents do one. Um, we have a household of like six whenever I'm here, five without me. Yeah. Uh, and they do it as just something easy because my grandparents live with us and that's why it's a bigger number. Um, and it, it's easy and they like to cook things sometimes, but don't really know what to cook. So if they want to make something, they could just go in and throw something together for everybody. And see, the food's actually really good. They use a different one than I did, than I do for when I'm at school. But I don't remember which it is, but it's it's good. I've been impressed with a lot of the meals. Yeah. You uh you definitely fit in perfectly. You have <laughs> you have you have held the digression for just about the right amount of time that we always do before either myself or Rage, usually me, makes makes the set the bad segue into talking about games or whatever. Just like just mwah, chef's kiss. Well done. <laughs> well thank uh, you. What's okay? I have to stall just a little longer. What's your favorite like food or or dish to to prepare? Not necessarily to eat, although it can be. But like, what's your favorite thing to make? There's two. There's the meatloaf that I mentioned before. Okay. Um, but also cookies. <laughs> nice. <laughs> At but, the okay, very what, least, so I can eat the cookie dough later. What kind of cookies? Chocolate chip. Okay, so like the classic. Oh, I'm, yeah, a, the I'm a sugar cookie person. Like that's my favorite kind of cookie. So is my dad. My dad's also a sugar cookie kind of guy. 
Nice. I, I really like to make stir fry, um, which is I think is maybe kind of a cop out because you can do so many different things with stir fry. It's not necessarily one specific dish, but I do tend to lean more towards like your sort of Asian style cooking. And aside from going to like a you know like a Japanese steakhouse or something, I can make way better fried rice than your kind of typical generic Chinese place. Nice. So I, not I to really brag want... a little, but to totally brag a little. <laughs> I really want to learn how to make some more of the Asian cuisines at the very least, so that way I can relive some of my memories for when I got to go to Japan for a study abroad trip, I missed some of the food, my host mom's food. She was such a good cook. Yeah. I, uh, it's been a long time, but my wife and I used to make sushi on a semi-regular basis. We haven't in years, so I won't say that we could do a good job at that anymore, but we used to make sushi on the regular. Nice. That's, uh, obviously, there's more to Japan than just sushi, but that's the thing I think of the most. Sushi and like authentic, actual authentic ramen. Yeah, those are the two of some of the main things that um, I had fairly regularly when I was there was the sushi and the ramen. Um, my host family took me to like a conveyor belt sushi place and it was so good. And it's weird eating sushi so cheap. <laughs> I would somehow still spend like $10,000 on sushi. I had to be so careful like not to because I think I inherited this from my mom. but. All, like, sort of, but not really. But, like, whenever I go out with somebody and, like, they're offering to eat, I will usually only be like, are you sure? You sure you want to? But you don't really have to fight me on it. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, okay, you can buy my food. Great. But then we get there and I'm also like, okay, this is the cheapest option. Because <laughs> I also feel bad at the same time, even though I don't want to turn down free food. Yeah, I get that. I... I have recently crossed the threshold from one side to the other as like an adult who makes enough money to to be able to live and also spend extra money on things. It's like taking people out to eat. It's like, no, no, like get whatever you want. And they're like, oh, but I'm going to get the cheapest thing. It's like, no, order what you want. I mean, we haven't been out to eat in months because of COVID and things. But, you know, that's that's how we would do it now. Cause I, yeah. I just, I spend random money on shit that I don't need. And I used to not do that. And it's like, I have to like rein this in. Like I lost how much money did I lose? And when the cryptocurrency or when the crypto market crashed this time, something like $800. And I was just like, eh, I'll wait it out. It'll come back. And like two years ago, I would have like shit my pants. That would be me currently. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't yeah. even have, I don't even have $800. Yeah, let's see. Let's, let's go see what my when 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 Dogecoin shot up to like fifty cents the first time. I I cashed out of that and made like twelve hundred dollars and put it all into Ethereum. And I'm down. Oh no, it's back up some. So I'm only down three four hundred dollars as opposed to the eight hundred I was a couple of days ago when it was down even farther. That still gives me like a little bit of an anxiety to think about. <laughs> I know. And like, even like six months ago, Jared would be like, actually, no, six months ago is when I started doing this. God, time flies. It's freaking May of 2021. Oh my God. I know. But, I feel that. I feel that. All right. We should, um, and I'm, and this is my fault. I'm not like wagging my finger at you. Really, I'm wagging my finger at myself. We should go talk about some games that we played. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and sweet baby Jesus, there's a lot of them. 
you and I both have five games, and technically there's some overlap because, like, you know, you have played one on my list, at least one. I've played a couple on your list before, um, one of them even recently, but it's like, goodness, you know. So this is going to be a big, a big games episode, and I think that's a good way to bring back, like, a regular ish recording is with like a crap load of games on this video games podcast so typically and i i can go first if you want me to uh typically rage winds up going first so but i mean we just take turns going back and forth talking about the games that we played the other person interjecting if they have questions or comments or can add something to the discussion because they've played it before or something like that would you like to go first or would you like me to go first uh you go first and i can get a get a feel Okie dokie. So yeah, the first game on my list is a game called Ironcast. Uh, listeners of the show will remember two months ago, three months ago. I'm pretty sure we talked about this on air. This was up for a potential like game club game um, since Rage and I both had it, but ultimately it got rejected. Ironcast is five or six years old at this point. It is a match three puzzle game or match three style puzzle game with steampunk mechs. Uh, that fight each other. And there's also some roguelite elements in there uh, as you do runs and slowly build up some power to carry over between runs when you fail um, and unlock new characters and new mechs. Um, the aesthetic for this game is just mwah, chef kiss, perfect. Um, you know, it's it's 18, like late 19th century. So, you know, 1880s, 1890s. There is a war between the UK and France, and you pilot um, iron casts, which are, you know, walking tanks slash mechs. Um, They're very slow looking and cumbersome. But there's also, like, even though there's steampunk, there's a lot of sci-fi stuff in it. There's energy shields, there's laser weapons, there's uh, some kind of, like, Tesla cannon. Um and then, of course, the mechs themselves. But it's amazing to see, you know, this posh British gentleman or lady in their, you know, full-blown, like, uh, formal attire, you know, the steampunk-esque, but but still formal attire, piloting their mech around. It's it's great. The gameplay um, is, is pretty, pretty straightforward. Um, you... There's a number of missions on the map, and you can pick from a mission, and every time you, you take a mission, if you lose, then your your run is over and you have to start over. And then if you win, um, there's a new set of missions that pops up. So it's not like there's you know three missions and you pick which order you want to play them in. It's There's three missions, you pick the one that you want, you do it, and if you advance, then you get the next set of missions. And so far, I have never beaten the first boss, so I don't know what's after that. But so far... Um, Missions break down into a couple basic types. You have uh, defense missions, which you just have to survive a certain number of rounds. There are collection-based missions where that on the match three board, there will be a certain, uh, like, supply crates, for example, and you have to collect a certain number of those while you're matching the other tiles, or uh, just straight up destroying an enemy, or doing things like to capture an enemy, you have to disable their engines, and you win when you do that, and you lose if you get destroyed or if you run out of time. So pretty pretty basic set of missions that you play through, and you get dropped in. Um, you match four basic tiles. There's one, uh, you know, bullets, uh, power, coolant, and repair points. And you match those to build up meters, and then you spend the appropriate meters to do your things. So if you're going to attack... 
based on your weapon type, it might need three bullets and two coolant, or three bullets, a, a power, and two coolant, something like that. Um, if you want to activate your energy shields, that costs energy and coolant. If you want to increase your walk speed, which gives you a, like a dodge bonus, then that's also usually energy and coolant. There's special ones that, um, special tiles that give you uh, power-ups. Um, it, it's called overdrive, but basically whatever you do, the next action you do when you get an overdrive power-up, it gets more powerful. You know, your your shield might block 10% more damage, or you might do 10% extra damage with a gun, or it fires twice or something like that, depending on the, the weapon type and the action. Um, there's There's a couple others. There's like a link that lets you get two uh types of tiles at the same time as you build your combo up the pilots themselves and the mechs themselves get bonuses as you level up per round and th- those are random from a pool and you know you get to pick from a selection of three every time you level up so those could be things like uh if you get a certain chain so like say you you match six pieces to or, you know six tiles together in one go then you get some boost like your next attack costs one less ammo or you regenerate coolant automatically at the end of your turn, or uh, you might actually be able to repair some damage for free, things like that. Um, And then the mechs could be like bonus weapon damage or some type of ability like um, a rocket pod that you can shoot every so many turns, you know, for free, things like that, that, you know, you try to tip the scales in your favor when you're not getting good, a good board to match from. So uh there's the i i've only been able to play nine missions in a row you have eight missions and then the first boss like you can sort of see like there's a skull icon marching closer to london every time you complete a mission and that's the first boss and i have never beaten the first boss he shows up in a mech that's i don't know 10 times more powerful than yours is um (laughs) There are at least four different mechs and four different pilots. And, you know, the pilots have their own, like, starting ability, and the mechs have little quirks that, you know, go one way or another. One might be better at defense automatically, or one might have just a balanced load, or, you know, whatever. They each have their little quirks, and you can, the pilots have their own abilities. You can kind of try and mix and match to get a good combination. So, I mean, the art style, just, again, chef kiss, love the art style. (laughs) And uh, the gameplay loop is really good. Um, a run, uh, about an hour is, is what it's been for me to have a run. You, I mean, you can save and quit at any time as long as you're not in the middle of a mission. So it's not like it locks you in until you, you know, beat it or lose. But um, it's, it's taking me about an hour per run. Um, I've had a couple where I've, you know, fucked up really bad in the beginning or just really gotten unlucky and uh, have lost early. A couple where I've made it to the boss those have taken me an hour to an hour and a half, but I'm averaging about an hour per run. And again, you've got like a global level that is you level that global level up, you get better and better starting stuff. So like my most recent level I got was just like bonus starting health. So anyways, good game. Two thumbs up would recommend. It's not very expensive. It's 15 bucks, but it regularly goes on sale for like two, three bucks. Um, it's been as low as looks like a dollar 50 on, uh, humble if you just buy it from the store the humble store interesting so it's a good game it sounds like a good game i think i remember you telling me a little bit about it um at least at some point but yeah that sounds like a like a fun game i probably would enjoy it 
Yeah, put it on your wish list. We'll have to do that. Santa Claus might bring you a present at Christmas. (laughs) Or just randomly so that you can have a new addiction. Um, You'll get to that in time, though. Uh, Yeah, we'll get to that (laughs) later on that list. You're up, Um, so what's what's first for you? Well, first one for me is nowhere near as in-depth of a game as yours, but uh, it's Hide and Shriek, and it's like one of the very few multiplayer pvp type games that i find i actually kind of enjoy um because normally I, I just don't like playing pvp very much but for this one it came out in like 2016 as fun to play with some friends um and i was in a spooky mood and the entire premise of the game is to collect these orbs put them on an altar and if you find your opponent to try to jump scare them or set traps to hinder them literally this entire <laughs> this entire game really pushes for you to be as much of a dick to the other player as you can be <laughs> um although i was surprised to learn fairly recently that there is like a very simple story at least because like the character you apparently are playing as is like a, a high school dude that um is going to school for like occult stuff, becoming a, a wizard or something. Um, but that you can only discover the story if you manage to find some notes that tend to hang around on the level. And the levels don't really change very much. It's pretty much always the same school level, but it things about it can change enough. Like, maybe one classroom will be a little bit different than before. Um, sometimes you'll walk around and there's, like, floating items everywhere that's just decoration. You can't really interact with them. But you can go around your character and the other player characters invisible. So you can't normally see them. But you can collect runes and combine them. And whatever combos you get, you can put get saved into a grimoire. That you can go back and look through and be like, okay, so what was that one combo that I really liked? I found one that I will break if it <laughs> if it rolls for me. Like if I get all of them, because they're they're randomly generated every game. But it basically makes it so you can see your opponent. And if you can find them, you can jump scare them and gain extra points. And then they drop these little white dots around, and I like to call it ghost poop. <laughs> Because it's kind of like they crap their pants. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and it gets you extra points when you collect it. So, you know. Um, but with that ability, and then also if you get caught carrying your orb to your altar, because they can see the floating orb and tell that's where you are and get you that way. It gets a little frustrating sometimes. Um, whenever you fall into a trap or get jump scared while carrying your orb, you can lose that orb entirely like it won't respawn somewhere else on the map at least i don't think so there have been cases where an entire game i have not been able to find maybe two orbs while my opponent is just running around and finding all of theirs and then he'll claim that he's found like four of mine i'm like where are they (laughs) i found like four of yours and he can't find his either so i don't but it's Definitely a game, though, that I would recommend selecting a private match, because for whatever reason, 
if you do a public match where you get randomly paired with someone, because it's only one player versus another, that, that can't be more than two players at a time for a level. Um, whatever reason, people that still play this game are so petty that if you they start to lose, they will just quit the game and end the match. You can't win, which is dumb to me, because regardless of if you win or lose, you gain points at the end, which will let you level up and unlock customizations for uh, the creature that you use to jump scare your opponent. <laughs> and there's some like DLC items that you can buy. Like it came since it came back out in 2016 and it was around the time when the elections and stuff were still big. They have a mask that you can wear that is Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton to jump scare for your opponent. I don't have that DLC. I kind of want it though. Cause I think it would be funny. Um, but other than that, like you get your standard a skull for a head or a scarecrow for a head, and then you can level them up, get different animations for them, different voices, different accessories. I tend to decorate my scarecrow with a cute little tiny little top hat and then like a bow tie or a finger of necklaces or something or a necklace of fingers or something. Um, yeah, that's pretty much all there is to it. You can get a leaderboard that puts you up against the other players you've played against uh, to see who's doing best in points, like who's got the best high score or something. But it's the basic premise. It's pretty simple, but it's pretty fun. I'm bad at it. I keep playing it with one of my friends, and he beats me almost every time. I think out of 18 games we've played, I've only won three. Just because he keeps finding the dang list that sends me into another dimension that takes away my point. Yeah, I think I would hate everything about this. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't like to be scared, even if they're like silly, stupid, you know, whatever kind of jump scares. Like, even if they're supposed to be more funny than scary, I would be scared and I would hate it. It definitely does pretty good with the zombies, and I'm usually very bad with horror games in general um like i've played i've tried to play like outlast and i could not get very far before i just quit the game and then i've never opened it since <laughs> i think i got it back when it uh first came out too so tells you how how afraid i am to open up that game again but this one the the jump scares are so simple and they they're not really all that scary um, mm -hmm. And you get used to them pretty quickly. The scariest thing is probably the ambiance sometimes. Because the, the, the game has a pretty decent ambiance, honestly. Because it, like, it takes place inside a school. You have four classrooms and then like the locker. And then sometimes they'll, like a creepy sound might happen or something. But it's, it's, it's not that scary. But it's a lot of fun. Which surprises me myself because normally... This isn't really a game that I think I would look at and be like, oh yeah, this is something I want to play. Something about it just like looked like fun to me. And it is kind of fun. Yeah. I pretty much only play scary games once a year, which is for our October Game Club, which is always a scary game. Uh, I, I do it. I do it then. That's about it. <laughs> I feel that. I usually tend to avoid scary games. I don't have very many that I've played. Um, I remember back when Slenderman first 
came out. I remember playing that game on my phone, sitting in the middle of my fluorescent lit middle school hallway and just had my headphones in and the scary ambiance started and I immediately closed the game. <laughs> I was just like, nope. Not for me. Never played Slender Man. Don't think I ever will. Yeah. Unless somehow rage convinces me that that's what we're going to do for October Game Club. The... I wouldn't really recommend it at the very least for the fact that there are so many knockoffs. It's kind of hard to tell which one is the actual game. Because <laughs> a lot of people, when that game came out, was just like, oh, I'm going to also make one. And I'm pretty sure the one that I played wasn't even the actual one itself either. But nope, I, it's not one I would recommend. I think there's only one horror game that I've actually, two, there are two horror games I've actually managed to beat. And that is Welcome to the Game, which left me paranoid for a very long time. And Five Nights at Freddy's. Nope. <laughs> Hardcore out on that one. <laughs> you don't like you don't like animatronics? I'm 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 fine with animatronics, not creepy possessed animatronics. No, they thank you. Wanna, they just want to deliver pizza. Definitely not no. stuck you into a suit. No siree, not for me. <laughs> All right. Uh so next on on the list, next on my list. Uh you also have played this one, Dungeon Defenders. Ah, yes. Uh, Dungeon Defenders is a primarily third person, although you can play it in sort of a pseudo-isometric view and in first person, but primarily, I think it's most people play it third person. Uh, I would not recommend first person. <laughs> no. But uh, <laughs> RPG... Uh, uh, tower defense game. Uh, well, class-based... RPG tower defense game um, that primarily is uh, multiplayer, um, you know, cooperative multiplayer PVE stuff. Definitely, it's much better when played at least with one friend. It's it's not it's not that fun to play solo, um, and it gets very difficult on higher levels. But at least for the base game, there's some DLC that some of the people that we play with have. But I only have the base game. I don't know if you've gotten the DLC or not. But no, I have not. So yeah, in the base game, you've got four classes. Um, you've got essentially a ranged character, um, a knight, a wizard, and a monk. Who is everyone is kind of specialized. The monk is, I think, the most generalized, having a melee attack, a ranged attack, and then their uh, the towers that they place are for the as far as I can tell. Having because I've played all four classes at least a little bit. As far as I can tell, their stuff is is more around like boosting up. They, like they have some the, some towers that do damage, but most of their stuff is around um, healing and boosting other things. They are so. definitely more of a support class because the monk also feels like probably the most broken of all of them because of the fact that it's both melee and ranged and then you have these giant auras that you can place that do damage and then you can place another one that gets rid of any like immunity to that type of damage so if you just put all of your points into your towers and nothing else you're probably going to be fine it's so sorry no it's fine they're they're just a very OP class, in my opinion. The second one being, well, tied between the ranger, I think, with 
those freaking bombs. <laughs> oh my god, the bombs are so I play I play her. It's uh, I think it's Huntress, but I mean Ranger also would would work because it she's ranged and then she has all of her stuff as bombs that do different things. That's the class that I play. Generally, the way that the game plays is that you you know it's an RPG, so you start at level. Well, technically, you start at level zero, but you immediately get a a, a level one with an, an upgrade point that you can spend to get like just a tiny starting tweak to your character. Although, in the grand scheme of things, it's basically that's basically nothing. But as you play through the levels, you kill the bad guys, you defend your towers, complete waves, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. You get experience points, you level up. I don't know what the max level is. I've seen characters at level 90, but I don't know if that's actually the max or not. I think the max level is like level 100 or something. Okay. So, you know, as you level up, you get more and more skill points to spend to upgrade your character to make them... Like, you make your character stronger in various ways, faster, have more health, um, do more damage, or cast faster, which are abilities that you can use during combat or when you're placing your, your traps down. And then you can upgrade your traps or towers. You know, I think that's kind of interchangeable, just kind of based on the character that you play. But, you know, same sort of thing. They do more damage. They have more health. They uh, can reset faster. So, like, the bombs, for probably all of them, but I have the most experience with the bombs. Like, they've got, like, a cooldown timer. So a bomb might have, say, 10 uses, and it blows up once, and then it's got, like, say, a 10-second cooldown before it can blow up again and kill more, more bad guys. So yeah. that cooldown timer, like, you speed that up, then you know, it comes back faster. But yeah, I they're, think, they're... I think the most broken combo... Well, there's multiple broken combos, but one of the most broken combos would be, like, the Huntress and then the Squire, which is the one that I play, because, you know, set the bombs and then just put a barricade up so they can't pass. Yeah. that's So I've been playing it uh, with my kid this week, this past week, um, and he plays the Squire, and... He's gotten pretty decent at the beginning. It was just like, all right, you kind of do whatever you want until you figure it out. I don't take care of all the bad guys. But that's now he's getting he's getting a little bossy. And he's like, all right, daddy, I'm going to put a barrier here and you put your bomb in front of it. And I'm like, well, <laughs> I mean, yes, that is a good strategy. But, you know, who's 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 the kid and who's the grown up? <laughs> you know? Who played this more and figured out more strategies, kid? It's Usually. it's fine. It's fine. I love it. Um, no, that's funny. That's cute. <laughs> but yeah, it it's it. Um, the game is definitely played better with with people. You can play generally like in the base game up to four players, and then in some of the DLC, apparently there's some levels that can go up to six players. Although we've had a hard time making that work in anything except for the uh, PvP mode. Um, yeah. every time we've tried it, something like it just doesn't work right. So and even in the you can PvP, play with four players. Even the PvP tends to glitch out. Yeah. Um, it's got a, a really good catch-up mechanic as well. I mean, I generally wouldn't recommend taking a level one character with a level 90 character, but I I'd say within like 10 levels or so behind, you know, if your character is within 10 levels or so you it, you get an experience boost that helps you catch up to to the higher level player faster and it gets you to within like two levels give or take and there's not a lot of difference in the grand scheme of things between you know level 40 and level 38 um yeah you, 
you also have a gear progression. So you you are looting gear as you level up, and then you can spend mana that you collect to upgrade your gear. But you really don't need to do that until you get a little bit higher up beyond just like a couple of quick upgrades because the cost for leveling stuff up goes up exponentially. So I've got some gear that would cost me like a hundred thousand or more mana to upgrade it to its next level. And that's not yeah. really worth it. At yeah. This point. I've, I only have as much mana as I do because one of the players farmed a like, I think he got a little bit addicted to the game because <laughs> He farmed hardcore to the point where I don't think he could hold any more mana. And so he just started gifting it. So I suddenly had like a hundred million mana because he gave it to me. And I'm like, well, I need to spend this on something. (laughs) So I just went through and started upgrading a bunch of my armor. I still haven't decided what I'm going to name my boots because that is a thing you can do. Anything that you upgrade to the max level, you can name. I haven't decided what I'm going to name my boots yet. Yeah, I'm going to name my pet Archibald. I love I mean, it. I've already named him Archibald. He's just not max level, so I can't change his name in the game. But that's his name. It's Archibald. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's got in the base game, there's four, three bosses and they come at the end. So there's 12 levels in the base game plus some challenges and things. But anyone who's got the DLC, like if they're the one who's hosting the game, the other players don't need to have the DLC. The only thing that the players can't access are the the characters, the DLC characters, which there's a bunch and a couple of them like drastically change the game. Like the summoner can summon minions. They can't directly attack, but they summon minions and play the game more like an RTS than like oh. a, uh, a tower defense. Or maybe they play it more like sort of a somewhat of a traditional tower defense game because you play it top down and you put you know, place your minions down on the ground and they start by guarding, but you can move them around. I've, I've looked into it, but I haven't played it. Yeah. But with the summoner, the summoner is kind of fun to have with someone that places, um, towers and have just those two, because then you both get like all of the, the points to yourself for how much you can put down. You can make a pretty, interesting like combination of stuff that's true that's yeah that's that's a mechanic we haven't discussed um i mean every level has a limit for the amount of towers that you can place um and and different towers take different amounts of points so like the bombs for example except for one of them they all cost three to place so you know if you've obviously if you've got say 90 points that you can place stuff down if you placed all bombs that's what 30 bombs (laughs) <laughs> um that's an insane amount of bombs that's too many bombs just um, make a path so <laughs> there's no chance for any to survive yeah the uh bombs are so freaking op the you know the first boss um within the the lightning like the tesla mm-hmm. tower room or whatever yeah yeah the um, big the, the demon lord or whatever yeah so i have this one bomb that does all of its damage to one target it's like 10,000 damage a hit like at level one but it only attacks one target at a time and on the wave when the boss showed up i placed down four of those and upgraded them and as soon as he like the boss spawned in they all dropped on him at the same time and killed him and we won instantly (laughs) my kid was like my kid was like he's not so tough and i'm like honestly i didn't think that i would kill him in one go i mean really though he's not that strong like he's kind of intimidating when you first come across him 
he's not that hard to beat. And whenever you go back again, it it's, does not take much to to kill him. Because like I've cheesed it myself, and I with my squire, I just kind of put all the harpoon guns everywhere facing the center, and that's where I spent a majority of my points. And then I kind of just let it upgraded it as much as I could, and then I just kind of went and let it attack, which ended up taking off most of the stuff. I think I had enough time to go in and like destroy all the little electric bits, but by the time I did, that just kind of did the finishing blow <laughs> to yeah. kill him. So, but it, the harpoon guns are fun. Yeah, it's a good game. It's a lot of fun. And it's it's old. It's from like 2013 or something like that. Um, so it'll run on like a potato. No problem. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's a good game. I mean, I would totally recommend that to anybody who who has sort of regular multiplayer nights with their friends. Um, you can buy a four pack. Uh, that's what our friend did. Runic, who was on here uh, three, three weeks ago, something like that. He's he bought it for all of us, um, and we've been playing it once or twice a week, just about um, every week. We didn't play last week. We played Stardew again, which was great. Loving me some Stardew, but anyways, good game. <laughs> Would recommend. Um, it's same. It's it's a lot of fun. So what's what's next on your list? Um, the next one on my list is Persona Four Golden. Um, it's kind of just the Golden is just the expansion of the initial Persona 4 game. It has, like, extra missions and, like, one or two new characters that the base game doesn't have. Um, I think that's a pretty common thing for the Persona games in general to do, because with Persona 5, uh, it was, like, a few months to a year later, they came out with Persona 5 Royal, which also had new characters and, I think, a new mission. And I was very kicking myself so much because I bought the base game rather than that one because they're two separate things. It's not like DLC that you can buy an add-on. It's its own mm-hmm. separate thing. And it was not worth to spend more money on <laughs> when I already had bought that one in such a short amount of time. But um Persona 4 Golden is also an old game. I think it came out in like the early 2000s. And if you look at the graphics for it, it looks like it came out in the early 2000s. Um, but it's really, it's looks like a really cute game, but honestly, it's quite dark. It's extremely story driven. It's got a turn based fight mechanic where you have to kind of strategize what you're going to do with all your teammates when you're going up against, uh, different creatures and like this other realm. It's like the, the TV realm but not that part's weird to explain. But um, the the premise of the game is whenever you first start the game, it starts off with a murder. It's kind of like a murder mystery. You're trying to figure out who's trying to kill all these people. And one of the first things you find is the news lady is hanging upside down from telephone wires and is dead. And it's pretty dark. Um, and then shortly after, like a high school student who was a witness to finding the body, she ends up dying in the same manner. And then one of your classmates ends up getting 
pushed into this TV and into this world and you find out like, um, they, that it, it makes you confront like your darkest self that you don't want to acknowledge is there. And by the time it gets foggy on like the real world end, then the shadow, like this evil version of you comes out and will end up killing them. And that's how they die. And you have to figure out who's throwing the people in the TV. Now, I I know who's doing it. I don't remember the motive, and I'm not going to say who's doing it. But it's actually a lot of fun because it's a uh, a time balancing game as well as the the murder mystery, where you have to try to save the people within a certain amount of time. But as well as in order to level up your own abilities, you have to go work job so that you can buy better gear you have to strengthen your relationships which will make your powers stronger um and just little stuff like that and they actually put a decent bit of thought into each person's story that you're going through so it you feel a slight connection and might get invested in the little side character story even if it's not directly involved with the main plot Persona, the Persona series is a game that I've always wanted to, or a series I've always wanted to play. And I, I used to not have played it because it wasn't on PC and now they're on PC. And I, I think it, the, some of the older ones you can emulate. And now my excuse just keeps being like, there's requires so much time investment, but then I sit and I'll play Battletech for 500 hours. So, you know, <laughs> it's definitely a game that I would highly recommend if you've never played it before, or you've never seen playthroughs of it before. Because that's how I know, like, who did it for the Persona 4 game, is I watched playthroughs of it a couple years ago, um, before I had gotten the game, before I, I don't think I knew that it was on Steam, or that I could buy it online, um, I just know that's how I was introduced to the series, and then... A couple of years later, I think Persona 5 came out, and that one, I avoided spoilers like the plague because I was determined to play that game. That game also gets... These games are dark. <laughs> They're really good, really interesting, and do have like a lot of very wholesome stuff in it, but they are dark. Um, Atlas, the company that makes them, does a very good job with storytelling. Um, they also made the game Catherine, if you've heard of that one, which is another one that I would recommend, but I myself haven't played, but it's fun. It looks like yeah. fun. I'm aware um, of Catherine at the game I haven't played. I would, I want to play it and I think I would recommend it, but it also, I think I would die a lot playing that game because I'm not very good at puzzle games, but, <laughs> um, yeah, no, the Persona 4. Oh, actually, fun fact about Catherine. Um, the Vincent, the main character for that was actually initially a test model to figure out the style for the Persona 5 games. And whenever I think, um, like a head was walking by or something, they thought it was for something else. So they ended up using him for the Catherine games. And that's how that ended up becoming a thing. It's, it was initially coming off of the Persona 5 that they were planning on making. Nice. Very efficient. Yeah, um, and you can kind of see it too if you compare the two um, styles, like in appearance and stuff, of the two main characters. Like, there's obvious differences, but there's 
some clear similarities. They look like they could potentially be related to each other. But, um, didn't mean to get in a tangent about something completely different. But Oh, no, the- that's very, very normal. <laughs> Welcome to the show. <laughs> um, but no, uh, Persona 4, I have already met one of my favorite characters. He falls under one of my favorite tropes, which is, um, big scary dude. That's actually just very wholesome and sweet, and you just want to hug him. Poor, confused, sexually confused boy. <laughs> Did you, just to be clear, you said sexually confused? Oh, yeah. No, he is very sexually confused. Nice. But he's he's a little sweetheart, and you can't help but feel bad for him. But the, the games are definitely mature, both for their mature themes, um, violence, and... Some topics that they, the, the mature themes, the topics that they cover can be pretty heavy. His is kind of one of those that are pretty heavy. Right. Because, like, his whole thing is um, his parents own a like, textile shop, and he likes things like the fabrics and colors and pretty cute things. And growing up, he was made fun of by a lot of girls because you know those aren't typically boy things so he was mocked and he ended up taking a very hard turn um on that to stop being bullied and ended up becoming basically a delinquent who's very kind of physically imposing um just to throw out there, he's supposed to be like 15 and he beat up an entire biker gang because they were being so loud and was keeping his mother up at night. So he beat him up. Chased them down. He chased them down on a bike, like a regular pedal bike and beat up the entire biker gang. And it's very tough. 15 year old, very much anime, (laughs) but because of a lot of that stuff in the past, he doesn't like, girls very much guys are easier to talk to for him um but he doesn't he's not really sure if that means he just likes guys or if he likes girls and it's just a it's a thing with him but he's a little sweetheart and i want to give him a hug (laughs) nice very very sweet very cute well i'm gonna i'm gonna use that as a segue into my next game which is dragon quest builders 2 uh, i'm using the steam store link but i played this through xbox pc game pass uh this is one of the most adorable fun but also frustrating games i've played in a long time i haven't played the first dragon quest builders it was only it was i think only on playstation or something and i i pretty much missed everything playstation since the ps2 um, the second one is on a lot more platforms, obviously on PC. Um, and it's set in the larger universe of Dragon Quest, but it's a conti- like a direct sequel to Dragon Quest Builders 1. The, as far as what, as I can gather, the main bad guy from Dragon Quest Builders that gets beaten comes back as like a little chibi boy who you meet and like teach to be good. But all of the bad guys' minions from the previous games have gone on to fuck shit up better than he did the first time. So you, I think, are going to all the same areas and re rebuilding them. But, I mean, it's all new content to me. So 
um that that doesn't bother me too much it's just a little confusing um yeah the the art you get to choose between uh, if you go with the default characters, you can customize your characters a, a decent amount in terms of like some basic look stuff and most importantly, their hair color <laughs> um, oh, yeah. and a few other things. <laughs> but, you know, by default, you can be chibi, small, Super Saiyan Goku or chibi, cute pigtails girl. Um, did, you but, pick, uh, did you pick pigtails girl? Of course I, I picked pigtails girl. <laughs> um, pick pigtails girl and gave her purple pink hair it's great that sounds um, awesome but um anyways it uh so yes the 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 cute that's the cute part the fun part is i mean it's it's one of these you know building type games i love the types of games where you go and you collect resources and you build stuff and the fact that there's a storyline that you can follow helps because i mean i can i can make my own goals for a while in these types of games very rarely can i make my own goals for forever and so the fact that you've got the story missions to keep you going and then also teach you new things as you go, because, I mean, the initial tutorial, <laughs> and this is why it's so frustrating, the initial tutorial is honest, is about two and a half or three hours long. It's insane how much this game holds your hand for the longest time before it opens up a little bit. Um and to a certain extent, it's like it's still holding my hand at like 15 hours in. Um, it backs off quite a bit uh, after that initial initial piece. But then you get to the first island where it opens up and it's like, actually, you can run it around and explore all you want, but you can't do anything until you complete these quests. And so you complete the quests and they're like, ah, oh, yes, but now you can't do anything until you complete these quests. And it was probably eight hours before the game like really was like, OK, now just kind of build what you want, use what you've learned to make your island better for your residents. They've got their missions. In order to progress the story, you have to do the missions, but you're not really locked in to anything. And it's like, okay, whew, finally, it's done like being, um, you know, hardcore handholdy. But it's it's just so cute, and the soundtrack is, is nice and lovely and relaxing. Um the gameplay mechanics are pretty simple. You play it mostly in um, sort of a top-down isometric view, but for doing complex building, you definitely want to switch to the first-person view to to build stuff. But yeah. it, it's it's so much like many of these other games in terms of like, all right, I need X number of resources to build this thing. So I'm going to go collect those resources, get some food so I can eat um, and heal myself. What I think sets Dragon Quest Builders apart the most from any of these other games that I've played, and maybe you know something else exists out here like that, but I'm not familiar with it, is that as you're building up your islands, you uh, you attract more and more residents to them, which you have to build them little houses or at least living areas. Not everybody needs their own little house, although you could do that. But you build living areas for them and craft rooms and... Certain types of rooms are liked better by certain types of characters. So if you've got like a farmer, you want to build them like a little farmhouse and you decorate it with farming equipment and, you know, maybe like some hay and, you know, some other stuff in there that makes it feel like, you know, like a farm. And then it becomes like a farmhouse and the farm characters that are that live there get happier. And that's how you sort of get experience to level up your town is like you make your citizens happy. Um, and then if you want areas for them to work, you can actually make an area that's themed around a barn. And then they'll come and uh, if, if they're harvesting crops, they'll bring the crops and put them in the barn and collect tools from there if they need them. Come get weapons if they need to defend the base. 
And then anything that they find and collect, they'll put like in a chest in the barn and you can pick it up and, and you can use it yourself. You want to build a kitchen so your guys can cook for you. You make a kitchen and you put some cooking stuff in there and, you know, cabinets and storage and they'll they'll come cook and you can make them like a hot tub, you know, sort of like uh, or that's that's wrong. Like it's sort of a sauna um, and they'll come and they'll use the sauna and they'll get clean and they'll be happy and you can make them a, a toilet because everybody's <laughs> got a poop. You know, but then they're ha- they're happy because they're like, oh, we don't have to go out behind the trees anymore. We can just come use the toilet. And all of those little things come together to make it feel more like you're building actual little settlements for your people. Like I know in Minecraft, for example, you can build a village and either, you know, kidnap villagers and bring them or use console commands to spawn them in. Or, you know, if you're playing in creative mode, like drop in villager eggs or whatever. But, you know, villagers in Minecraft just like hang out. You know, they don't really do anything except annoy you. Um, but here you, you create these little communities and you get unique NPCs and there's some generic ones, but you get unique ones and it's just really cute. And it's a lot of fun. Like I, I spend, I, I'm now spending as much time, like sort of exploring the system of like, Oh, what kind of rooms can I create? Cause it tells you how to make certain things and you get blueprints for them, but also it rewards experimentation. And so you might build like a bunk house, for example, like you take and you build just, um, you know, a, a medium-sized room with, like, five beds in it. And then it pops up, and it's like, you've built a bunkhouse. And it's like this, you know, worker, um, like, worker collective shows up. And they're like, oh, thanks. You know, we needed a this, this you know, bunkhouse for all of our members to stay in. Thank you very much. And you get bonus happiness because they can all stay in the same, you know, building together. And then one of them might come up to you and be like, oh, it's really cold at night. Could you please put down, you know, a couple of torches to give us some light and some heat? And you do, and it becomes like a cozy cottage or something like that. You know, like that, it, it really rewards that experimentation. And it's it's a lot of fun. Also, it's on Game Pass. <laughs> Get Game Pass. <laughs> um, so, you know, I mean, if you were to buy it on Steam or some other platform, it's 50 bucks. I don't know if it's worth 50 bucks. It's fun. But like I said, it's really frustrating in the beginning. And maybe on a second playthrough, I could like go through the tutorial a lot faster because I'd know exactly what to do. But even then, I would still suspect it would be like two hours of pretty severe hand-holding. Um, so that just that uh, that almost put me off of it. But it was so cute, and I'd heard so many good things about it. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to push through this at least to say that I give it a try on the show. And I did push through it, but I can't blame anyone who wouldn't want to push through it. And I, honestly, if I had paid for it, I might be really frustrated, like even more frustrated than I am with the opening. But playing it on Game Pass, experiment with it, come back to it as I need to. Definitely play this game with the controller, not with the keyboard and mouse. I mean, you can play with the keyboard and mouse. Much more comfortable to just like lay back and chill, play with the controller. So. Yeah, I'm I'm looking up pictures and stuff of it. And it looks really cute, and the style for the background and stuff does remind me a lot of Minecraft. But that's kind of where that similarity and as far as appearance goes um everything else very different but that looks cute i don't know if i could get through that long of a handholdy thing and i think going through and playing it a second time with it being that handholdy would just frustrate me a lot um Whenever I play a game, unless the tutorial for whatever reason really grabs me, I, I tend to try to skip through it as fast as possible. Yeah. The the first like 
the the so it, it starts you out you're like on a boat and you're doing stuff on this boat and it's like 45 minutes go over here talk to this person go over there talk to that person do the do their quests and there's unskippable i mean they, there's no spoken dialogue it's all just text but in the tutorial you can't skip through the text you can you know it, it plays out and you can press a but you can't just like skip everything and so you're 45 minutes on this boat and then the boat wrecks you know there's, there's a storm there's a shipwreck you wash up on an island it's like okay i got all the basics i'm good to go it's like nope here's another tutorial for 45 minutes an hour and then you leave that island and you go to a, the island that first opens it up and you're like nope here's another hour's worth of tutorial <laughs> it's like oh my god please just let me play this game <laughs> yeah that that sounds very refreshing that just sounds to me like between everything if i can't skip through the dialogue i'd be like all right all this is going on i'm gonna pull up solitaire on my phone <laughs> yeah i was listening to podcasts while i played and and not reading much of the dialogue, just enough to be like, okay, this is what I need to do. I have played video games before, so I, I'm I'm good here. Thanks, but see, there's no game. option to skip. I could see that this game being really good for like kids or something with that handholdy of a tutorial. Um, but I don't I don't think so. There's so much reading, so much, and like, well, you know, depends on the kid. But yeah, yeah. It depends on the kid. My my kid could not play this game. He doesn't have the attention span for that much reading. He I... he likes to watch. It's got a co op mode. It's online only, so I can't I can't try it out with my kid. But if somebody gets Game Pass, <laughs> we we could try it. Or I guess I could get Rage I... to try it too. If one not if, but when I finally get Game Pass, trust me, you'll be the first to know. <laughs> Good. Damn it. <laughs> All right. What what else you got? We're 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 at the halfway mark. What else you got? Honestly, this game great segue to my time at Porsche. Um, yeah. <laughs> the the game that you have gotten me oh so addicted to, and it's a bit of a problem. But same time, gosh dang it, I'm having so much fun with it. Yeah, my time at Porsche was a game club game for us. I think December 2018 or January 2019, somewhere around there. Uh, I think it was still in early access at the time. I don't think it was finished. Um, it's, yeah, got a long history cool. with this game. It still doesn't feel finished to me. Like there's still dialogue that doesn't have voice lines. There's one character specifically that doesn't have any voice lines at all, and then the jump animation is uh, not great. <laughs> but other than that. That's really the only part of it that doesn't really feel finished to me or those things. Um, well, that and then the, uh, what are they called? Like the, the corpse or the, whatever the, essentially the police officers of this world are, them and their horses is always really funny to watch. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it's a lot of fun. It's a bit different than a lot of the games like this that I've seen, um, where, a majority of them, it's just like, yeah, you come to this place and now you're a farmer and now you're doing all these other things. But this one is like, no, you're you're building things now and you're going to go around and build stuff for all these people. And also, look, you have a rival. You're not the only one in the town that does all this stuff. There are others. You have competition, which is 
was really refreshing and took me off guard. I managed to avoid the spoilers for the game for a really long time because I really wanted to play it. And when I know I'm going to play a game, eventually I try to stay away from other people who are playing it. Um, or at least like videos or people talking about it. Cause I'm like, don't, don't tell me. Don't tell me. All I know is that it's good. That's all I need to know. <laughs> don't tell me anything else. So I know nothing about any of the villagers except for what little I'm slowly learning. Um, and that's pretty much it. I'm waiting to see when I can befriend my apparent rival because I looked at the relationship perks and there's actually a friend perk with him. And I'm like, well, right now, anytime I talk to him, I don't get any bonuses or anything like that. So do you, do you want me to spoil it for you or do you want to? No, don't spoil it for me. Let, okay. let me, let me find, find out. Cause I'm sure it's going to be something that'll happen at some point within the story. Um, I think the burglars or whatever, the two little thugs that are going around. Yeah, was it Huss and Tuss or something like that? Yeah, something like that. Um, They gave me a good chuckle. (laughs) I I could tell very quickly that whatever was going on here was was a bit suspicious. Um, One of them looks like a rat, so (laughs) it's usually a clear character design of... He's probably a bad guy because it wasn't done in a cutesy way. It was done in a you look a little shady kind of way. <laughs> yeah. Um. How? Okay. So how far are you in the story? Um. Like- I'm. Only, I'm. I'm still haven't fixed the leak that's causing the water to be polluted. So I'm still pretty early in the story, but I've reach season wise you're in winter so i'm in my current playthrough i'm also in winter but i'm let's see how do i so you know on the map like you can see like and and, and, i mean just around you like you can see all this land that you can't get to yet yep you eventually you unlock um the desert area which actually you can't, I don't think you can tell it's a desert. I don't remember if you can tell it's a desert on the map or not, but across the I river. Can, I can kind of see it's like some type of desert. It The ground is brown. And yeah. I I mean, I think I see a couple trees, but it, it looks like a desert. So across across the, the big river to the desert is where there's a pretty big uh, change in not gameplay, but just like things get a lot bigger. Like the scope of the game gets a lot bigger. And I'm like near the end of that portion of the game in winter. Is it still like, your first year? It's still my first year. Man, I just take my time with these games. And also I'm still it, probably partially because I've managed to avoid stuff a lot. But um, it, it took me a while to really figure out how to collect some of the resources like it's uh, kind of embarrassing how long it took me to realize like oh when i upgrade my work table i'll be able to do more of these commissions that keep appearing and also i'll have access to new resources and all these other things um and so i've just been working on upgrading things and making my property bigger so that way i can upgrade my workspace next um i am currently trying to get all the stuff i need to fix the leak that is my 
definite next goal. Because usually whenever I get the next goal in the thing, I will like wait a while and then I'll do it. <laughs> because I was like, there's, there's new stuff that come out, but it feels like new stuff comes out every time um, the next section of the story starts. So I want to play with that a little bit and then I'll continue on. Um, I'm friends with a decent portion of the town. Well, not like good friends. I think I only have like one star, one heart with, um, maybe half of the town. And I've got two of those little special quests where they ask you to get something for them. Um, but I've completed one. So I've had, I've had three total, but I've completed only one of them. Um, Emily's wanting a pumpkin pie and I'm like, that's not in season. You're going to have to wait. Thankfully they wait forever on those. There's no time limit for any of those. I don't believe. I noticed that with the nurse lady whose name I can't remember at the moment. Oh wait, but I can't remember either. It's been a while since I played. I eventually felt really bad for making her wait on her food for so long. I just looked up the recipe for the like, fish pasta or something that she wanted so I'm like I don't have this um not entirely sure how to get it other than to keep asking that one dude to and like buy a new recipe from him each every day but I don't know if I want to wait and do that look up this recipe and I'll make it real quick and I did and then they gave it to her and I think I had a got a quest after that from her um to deliver medicine to different townspeople because she got really busy and at first because I'm very interested in pursuing the relationship with the doctor at first thought with her was like oh she's really pretty this is my rival but now I'm like no no she's too sweet she's not my rival I don't think I have to worry <laughs> unless there's something that's going to happen but I don't, I don't think so no they, they seem like just friends so has Ack shown up yet has who Ack I don't. You would you would know exactly who I'm so. talking about. So definitely he's not. Okay, I couldn't remember if that happened before or after the story part that you're doing right now. He's just he's just a fun character. That's not like I don't know. You might consider that a spoiler, but he's just a fun character that shows up and is is really helpful. Yeah, I've got two major problems with with my time at Porsche. The first is um, leveling up. It is so much has to do with the skills that you unlock as you level up and you get so few skill points. Like you cannot max out like you can max out one skill tree and like half of another one if you don't use any mods to give yourself extra skill points. And that really sucks because there's so much fun stuff in those skill trees. So that bothers me. I modded that on my second playthrough. And then the other thing that bothers me is how long it takes to do stuff or it takes for your resources to to complete like with the um you know the furnaces and whatnot like the the timer yeah. how long that takes to to run down since it's tied to the in game day you know day night clock which is fine like that's a fine idea but I turned the time scale as slow as it would go and that means that I was waiting a lot for things so I also modded that so that it would <laughs> it would finish a lot faster. Yeah, when it comes to a lot of like the commissions on the board that they give you, I've become very picky and choosy about the ones that I know will um won't take me very long to make and or ones that like I can make at my work table and I don't need to put all of these really special ingredients together. 
and usually can finish within like a day. Um, and I'll like leave the resources running and then I'll go off to, to do another quest or something. Um, every now and then I'll like branch out and be like, you know what? I haven't made this yet. Let's see what we need for this. And then I'll do that. But more often than not, I did do take an extra quest to build one of the, um, like Zuzu buses or whatever. Yeah. I did take one of like the extra quests that wasn't part of the, it was after the story. So it wasn't part of that story. I did take one of those because I thought that one was kind of fun to make. But, um, yeah, no, I agree with you. Some of the stuff is, is really, really slow. And when you upgrade them, it does seem like at first that it does speed up the time. Um, but it's not by a whole lot. And that gets a little frustrating. And then I recently got the, uh, oh, I can't remember what it's called, but it's like this big mechanical machine that you can stick on your property that's supposed to like keep fertilizer on your farm and i can't tell if that's working yet have you got i don't know how that works i do not i have two cows but i have nothing to put them in so they've just been kind of sitting in my inventory for a really long time because um old mcdonald when i fixed his thing gave me two calves so which by yeah. the way when i discovered mcdonald that, that got a good chuckle out of me yeah, there you can buy. You've probably noticed, but you can buy like the animal stable. Now the stable is for for horses and llamas that you can ride, and then there's the other one, which is where you can actually raise farm animals. Yeah, I have noticed. I just don't have the space for them currently. Yeah, the game. Uh, when you, whenever you do that, the game doesn't tell you this, but get a feather duster. And then you can pet multiple animals at the same time to give them the happiness bonus. I think you found that on accident. Uh, sort of. I was reading through the wiki for some stuff, and I saw it on the wiki. So I found it by accident, but not through gameplay. Gotcha. Because like the feather duster has no purpose otherwise. It doesn't tell you that it can do it. No one tells you in the game that you can do it. I think the feather duster can be used as like a decoration or something. But if yeah. you've got it in your inventory, whenever you go to pet, you like wave the feather duster around and it pets all the animals in front of you. Huh. Noted. Saves you a lot of time. I will keep that in mind. Um, so far, the only animal interaction has been with Pinky the cat that I managed to like me enough to where it lives with me. Yeah. Give, give Pinky fish every day and she loves you. Yep. You still haven't gotten a high enough relationship with someone, though, to do a play date. No, I have Which not. you I'm so excited for when you do that and then you come back and you're like, Oh my gosh, Jared, you were so right. The relationship system in this game is so good. <laughs> I can't wait. Um I am excited to see what the relationship system brings. Those tend to be or at least should be some of the much more highlighted parts of this type of game because of it it helps you get more immersed in the world when you actually like the people. And yeah. do things with them. Yeah. It's it's really well done in Porsche. It's my favorite one of these relationship interaction systems of any of these types of games. Interesting. I do really like one thing I've noticed is um whenever you befriend one person, it gives you a bonus to multiple others. Yeah, they're they're sort of their, you know, their relationship network. Yeah, I I thought that was really cool because when I 
befriended um, the nurse lady because she was the first one I managed to befriend. Um, I suddenly got a huge boost with like the doctor and then like a few others. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> it threw me off at first because I was not expecting it. But I thought that was really cool because I was like, oh, it's like they tell you about their friends or something and they like you. And so it like boosts your reputation almost with them. So it's, it's neat. I liked it. Yeah. Anything else you want to you wanna say about my time at Porsche? I like the character customization. Oh, my God. Yep. Character, I'm, I'm sorry. Mods. You should do mods for outfits and things. There's a lot of them. I will keep that in mind. Definitely not against mods for the character customization. I do it with Stardew Valley. I'm not opposed to doing it for this. Um, yeah. But the, the character customization is a lot of fun. I do wish there were more hairstyles that were suggested and some more outfits but in the base game but otherwise yeah i like it yeah some of the dlc is like um outfits and things but uh, there are, are several mods that do outfits and i'm not sure if there are any that do like major like graphics tweaks or overhauls like for uh stardew like the one you have for stardew i didn't get super because i don't i don't care as much for that kind of stuff most of the time um, typically I'm generally pretty happy with whatever the, the devs make for characters, but yeah, there's, there's a, a decent amount of mods. So I, I gave you a link in discord. You can go look at what's on Nexus mods. Yeah. I noticed <laughs> so. Nexus mods. That's where I got a lot of my Stardew Valley mods as well. Those, Nexus mods is great. All right. Um, so my next game, Mars horizon, a very drastic change in games from, uh, <laughs> the last couple we've been talking about. Uh, Mars Horizons uh, listeners, you might remember, uh, I guess it was last September or October, something like that. Steam did like this huge um, sort of game demo spotlight thing. Um, they had, I don't remember how, how many it was, like a couple thousand demos that popped up and they did like a, you know, try this out. We're going to highlight different games every day. And I, I played Mars Horizon then in the demo and really enjoyed it. I bought it uh, about a month ago now, I guess and um have been playing it and it's still good it's in in case you missed that episode or have forgotten and i guess for you too lexi like mars horizons is you it it starts in the 1950s and you can pick one of five major uh governments or governmental space programs to develop from the 50s into sort of the near future with the goal being to land humans on mars um and you go through all of the major events and then lots of other sort of quote unquote smaller ones, like huge in terms of scientific achievement. But we tend to only think of like the moon landing and, you know, Sputnik and um, the Gemini program, you know, sort of like the really big firsts. And we don't think about, um, you know, the Voyager probes as much or uh, the first couple of Mars landers or the impact probes for Venus and Mercury. But all of those are are in there. Um, so, you know, you start with the 1950s. You're managing the space agency going into the near future. And most of the gameplay is around the management aspect. Um, there's a fairly simple system for getting research points and for getting funding from your respective government for whichever. I, I pick NASA because, of course. but you know, there, there, there's others that you can, you know, get funding and whatnot from. And so there's a simple um, in-game economy. 
um you build a base as you progress through time and you can get some fairly simple but could can be powerful bonuses for putting together sort of like a well-balanced base with adjacency bonuses between the different types of buildings and things like that um and you're just slowly building your space agency moving forward through time there are big boosts or bonuses for if you're like the first to do something for example you know the first to to put people on the moon you know these things are um called like milestones in the game and so if you're the first to hit a milestone you get a bonus and like some research and some sort of world recognition and things like that but generally most of your funding comes from your monthly budget allocation from your government most of your research comes from the generic missions that you do as opposed to the big milestone ones um and that's where you're going to be spending 80 percent of the game um you know picking what to research building your base choosing launch dates building quote unquote vehicles but as opposed to something like kerbal space program where you go in and build it piece by piece you get sort of sections and it's like okay you've got an upper rocket section and it needs to have the correct specs to deliver the payload that you want and then a lower rocket section and it needs to be able to get this payload to orbit or on a trajectory that can reach mars or whatever simple stuff um compared to some more in-depth games in this uh, the other 20% of the game you're going to be spending doing very simple, repetitive puzzles. And when I played the demo, these were fine. Um, you only had to do maybe f- five of them in the demo um, and the content that was available there. And they're fine. It's It's basically, you know, complete this puzzle by doing certain actions to collect the correct amount of resources. It's like power and you know radio signal and managing your heat or there's there's a few others that get added as you go along and you have to get basically you have to get all the numbers correct by doing the various interactions of the puzzle you know spend some resources get resources of a different type you know that sort of thing and it's fine at first um but after you've done the same basic puzzle a hundred times it gets real old and for the quick, for sort of your quick missions, um, you can uh, auto complete them, and it'll give you like a percentage chance of like, okay, like based on your experience with this mission type, and how well you cra- trained your crew, and how well you built your rocket, you've got you know a ninety percent chance of completing this successfully if you hit auto complete. And then you hit autocomplete because that's way faster. And then occasionally you lose some really bullshit easy ones that like you could do in five minutes, but you don't want to do it because you've done the puzzle a hundred times or 200 times or 500 times. And I, and I really might have done these puzzles like 500 times because you have to do them for all the milestone missions. And early on in the game, you can autocomplete them. But in like the 1950s and the 1960s, you don't know Jack. And so you have massive penalties for having like untrained crew and, you know, poor rockets and no sort of operational understanding of how certain things work. And so your autocomplete only has like, you know, a 10% chance to complete the objective on its own. So of course you're going to do it. And in the early game, it's fresh, you know, in, in the late game, it's not. And it, they're, they don't get that much more difficult in complexity. 
Um, really, they just make it so that you have to have more bars kind of be lined up in the green zone. You know, you might be dealing with craft heat and attitude for you know your insertion burn into Martian orbit or whatever. You know, you might you might have multiple things that you're having to do at the same time, but they're really not that difficult. So, and that's that get that sucks because there's a lot of fun stuff in the game, especially for someone who is a science space rocket enthusiast there's a ton of history available in the game very lengthy detailed explanations of all of these real missions that really happened all of these real rockets and rocket components that really exist um all of these um sort of figures like big figures in you know the space i don't know space race space industry however you want to look at it like bios for all of these people Aside from the companies that you can sort of subcontract out to to build your rockets, everything that exists in this game is real, and there is a history for it that you will unlock as you complete the mission or whatever in the game. And that's super duper cool, and it sucks that so much of the game (laughs) towards the end gets boring, because you're just sitting and waiting and hitting to advance time on the sort of the overworld menu, because you've got your funding secured, you've got your science secured. In my game, I've researched everything that there is to research in the whole game. And now I'm just sort of waiting until I can complete the missions in order to get to land people on Mars. Um, There's a sort of a series of in-game missions that you have to do that are like, you know, researching this thing, crash this probe, get some footage, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And it's just, it's just a lot of sitting around, skipping those auto completing every sort of generic mission that I need to do to keep my reputation as a space agency high so that I can keep getting the funding that I need. Um, Cause I mean, if I don't do that, if I lose my funding, then I'll lose the game, but you know, doing all of these uh, autocomplete missions and just waiting. And I mean, it's cool, but I've read all the wiki entries and have kind of got my saved rocket designs to do all the basic missions. Um, I think the thing that I like the most, honestly, is the fact that it's the year I'm in like 2009 or 2010 and I'm still sending the space shuttle to do missions. Um, I can't remember specifically when they phased the space shuttle out, but I'm pretty positive I'm past where they stopped using the space shuttle on in the real world calendar. And I, that's just neat. I've always been a big fan of the space shuttle. I'm a huge, uh, you know, our listeners know Lexi, but you might have figured it out by now. Like I'm a huge like space nerd, so. <laughs> Um, I, you know, I paid 20 bucks for this game. I definitely have gotten my 20 bucks out of it. I have enjoyed my time enough to say that, like, if you are sort of a a hardcore space enthusiast, I think it's worth buying. Um, maybe get it on like a half off sale or something, but there's enough here to enjoy. And I'm going to finish out the timeline and actually land on Mars just to see how the game ends. And I may or may not report back about that when it's over, but I do want to beat it. I'm going to beat it probably this week, honestly, while my, uh, while I've got the house to myself, you know, just sit out on the living room and play it at my laptop, beat it. But, um, you know, I, I wish that there was something else that you could do, like some other way that the puzzles evolved to, to be more interesting and captivating because at this point they're just tedious and that sucks. So overall, pretty good game. I really would only recommend this to someone who's a pretty hardcore space enthusiast. And you, you know, you know who you are. I am not one of those people. While that sounds interesting and like it would be a lot of fun, it, I'm 
not huge on the space stuff. It, meh. I don't think it's one that would pique my interest too much personally. Fair enough. Although, speaking of tedium, your next game. <laughs> Papers, please. Another Game Club game. I think this was one of the first Game Clubs we did back in like 2016 or 2017. Uh, when did the game come out? Hold on. I could pull up my list and I could tell you we've got them dated. But I, I have played Papers, Please. It's been several years since I've played it. Yeah, I played it, I'm pretty sure, back when it first came out. Um, and I actually greatly enjoyed the game. Uh, it's 2013. We played it in 2016. It was our third ever game club. Nice. Um, yeah, I think I think I played it back when it first came out, maybe a year or so later. But I found YouTubers who were playing it. And I'm like, okay, it's like a time management game. It looks like it, it gets more complicated as it goes. And you know, I I played through the game. I beat the game. Um, I got it on beat it on like the basic ending where you just try to do everything right you ignore the um rebels essentially that are trying to go in and overthrow the government yeah and then it just youtuber that i watched started playing it again and i was like huh you know i haven't played this in a while so i started playing it again i went through got a different ending and now i'm gonna go through and try to see if i can't get a an ending where I have no mistakes, which is going to be hard because I make mistakes. <laughs> it's so hard to not make mistakes sometimes in that game, but it's it's fun. Indeed, I I remember my my playthrough that I like the last one that I did. I was taking all of the money from the rebels to let them go through, but I got caught, and so um. Like, I had a bomb. The Rebels had given me a bomb, and I got caught, and so I gave up the bomb and gave up the Rebels, and I was taken, like, to the gulag, you know, and my family died, and it's like, oh, okay. I, did, yeah. I, I didn't do a good job. I did a bad. I, I successfully managed to get through the Rebels' end, and it seems like it's a it's a pretty good end. Um, Like, they, they managed to overthrow, and then you become, like, a... a spy for them or something like a secret agent um there was there was one instance where i nearly did get caught because i accepted the money rather than burn it and then then i came under investigation and then i had a dude come up be like hey look giving you a thousand dollars was a big mistake uh we're sorry about that but you need to let this specific person person in and if you do, then we can uh, let we will be able to fix this so you don't get into trouble. And then it came to the this this part was mostly an accident, but it was probably a good thing that I didn't do it. But like the red man that they eventually want you to assassinate or something. Um, there's one earlier on, like several days before this incident actually happens where they're like i might be the only one but the red man's really not that bad and there's no context outside of that and then several days later they tell you to kill him and if you kill him i've seen the ending for that one i didn't get it myself but i've seen it um where you get arrested but your family is safe but you you're dead you die for killing somebody um 
But if you let them go, nothing happens. It's safe. And yeah, that's, that's where I haven't gotten very many endings. I was very surprised to learn that there's like 20, maybe a little more, more than 20 different endings you can re- retrieve, receive. So I'm sitting here trying to be like, okay, how many, what do you do to get all these different endings? I got one where when trying to, um, now be like, no, 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 now I'm going to be a goody two shoes and we're going to be like, no, we're not going to help the rebels here. Um, a guy comes in to be like, yeah, if you know anything about these, you'll tell us, right? And you've seen the simple and it's one they give you your first puzzle that you have to like encode and it's got their logo. You give it to them, they'll arrest you, and then you die. And I'm like, I just told you they passed through here. Why did you kill me? And that got, I got a little frustrated. But that was one of the endings. They called it too honest. <laughs> yep. There's, I know there's a bunch. I, I don't remember a lot of the specifics about the game. Like I remember the general gameplay, and I remember the guy who shows up with the thing that's like crayons. Um. You know, he like wrote out his passport in crayon or something like that. I remember that yeah. guy. I call him Mr. Potato Man because he kind of looks like a potato. But I know who you're talking about. He first yeah. comes in, you're like, I don't need any, um, I don't need a passport. This place is too great. It's like, no, no, no. And then he comes back, it's crudely done in crayon, and then several tries. Eventually, you just kind of get attached to him because you're like, this guy, he's a nice dude. He's. <laughs> really trying to do some illegal shady stuff here but yeah i just let him through i'll take the hit on that i'll let him through yeah at some point i want to do one where i let him in every single time except for the first time because i don't think you get an option the very first time but no i want to see what happens when i let him through every time yeah okay uh let's see yeah so my my last game Oh goodness! Is it's it's almost like a running joke on the show how much I talk about BattleTech. <laughs> um, so buckle up, everybody. Here we go again. So BattleTech Advanced thirty sixty two. I've talked about this mod before. I've talked about it in depth a couple of times, but their most recent couple of big updates were huge overhauls that changed even more stuff than these mods were already changing about the games. So. I'll go through the features as quickly as I can. Um, I mean, you know, if it's if you've played Battletech and you like it, or if you've listened to this show before, you know what it is. Um, I definitely recommend this game to anyone who likes strategy games, and obviously people who like big stompy robots. It's a it's a must own for that as well. The base game is great. You should definitely try one of the big mod packs. Uh, BTA thirty sixty two kind of sits in the middle in terms of complexity that it adds on top of just, like, sheer content. Um, And they continue to do so. So one thing that's been on their goal list for a long time is full vehicle implementation. They had in their last, I guess it was three updates ago now, they introduced a few vehicles to more test and see how it worked with the way that they've, you know, modded the game and their mod packs and everything. And with this most recent release, they, they dumped all the vehicles, or maybe not all of them, a bunch of vehicles, like dozens of vehicles to use. And they are fucking awesome. And you might think, like, well, in a game, in a universe, that's like giant stompy robots are king. Why would I want a tank? 
And that's that's a good question. And vehicles can typically feel fill support roles better than mechs can from a cost perspective. Vehicles are cheaper to run, cheaper to maintain, cheaper to repair or replace if they're damaged or destroyed. Um, but when they're geared towards one specific role, can usually fill it pretty well. So scouts, scout vehicles are just as good as scout mechs, sometimes better. Hover tanks can move twice as far as some of the fastest light mechs in the game. It's crazy how far they can go. They've got a few pretty severe drawbacks for certain types of terrain, but scout vehicles, hover vehicles in particular, extremely fast. Um, then the really specific support vehicles, like any type of artillery vehicle, usually can do that role as good or better than a mech. Again, w- much cheaper. So uh, artillery pieces, big missile batteries, or even like a couple of the support vehicles, like a missile carrier. You can get uh, 60 LRMs for uh, like one-tenth the price of a of a catapult mech. So excellent choices there. And then there's a few general purpose vehicles that are good to have um, that can fulfill the role of a medium, t- uh, or not medium, like, Oh yeah, a medium, like a heavier medium mech, or maybe like a light heavy mech, for, again, a tenth the cost or less. So, especially in the early game, vehicles can be really a really useful way to ensure that you can complete contracts while not breaking the bank. Um, and then later on in the game, they do fulfill really specialized roles as good or better than some mechs at a fraction of the cost. Plus, they're just fun. It's fun to have that variety in the game. Uh, they don't allow customization of vehicles, which you can do in Rogue Tech, and they say that vehicle customization is down the road, but you know, now that they've got their vehicles implemented, um, they're going to work on flushing out the vehicle roster a bit more. Uh, most of your inner sphere vehicles are in there. They don't have a lot of clan vehicles, maybe not even any that are pilotable. Not sure. Uh, haven't spent a ton of time in clan territory. That's where I am in my current playthrough right now. So vehicles, major, you know, major thing to discuss. Um, they added a new flashpoint mechanic called flare ups. So, um, now you'll see a different icon on the map for what's called a flare up. The uh, map can now change dynamically with factions attacking one another. And whenever a faction is trying to assault and take over another planet, a flare up will pop up and you can go over to it and you can participate. And as long as your reputation is good enough with one side or the other, you know, the attacker or the defender, then you can choose to participate on on that side, attacking or defending. And these are a series of random missions. Um, like, you know, you sign up and you, you can get some information. You can see how strong the planet is, the defense, how strong the attacker is, <clears throat> which gives you a rough idea of how many battles it's going to take if you win every battle for your side to win. Um, and then what the relative difficulty is of those are going to be based on the uh, ratings of the planet, skull ratings of the planet. Um, but whenever you sign up, you're there for the duration. I mean, you can leave early, but you take a huge hit to your reputation. Um, and it can, you know, it's, it's significant. It's can be, it's based on how difficult, you know, if it's like a five skull rating, then you're going to lose 50 or so reputation. If you abandon your side and break your contract, or if it's only one or two skulls, you you'll only lose about half of that. So, um, but you're, you know, you're there for the duration and every few days there's a battle, you get a notification. It's like, Hey, there's this battle. 
Um, you know, it's this mission type. We'll get specific details on the way. And you can accept it and take on the mission, or you can decline it, and then you get a little bit of a break so that you can repair and rearm all of your stuff if you don't have enough. And some of these, for, like, capital worlds, I- I've had a ca- couple of capital or, like, really high-rated worlds get attacked, and there will be 10, 15, 20 battles in a row, if you, especially if you lose a couple of them. And so it really, really encourages you to actually get those really, uh, the expanded mech bay upgrades beyond just the three from the default game. Because if you're going to take on every mission consecutively and not, you know, rest between them, um, you're going to wind up getting damaged and destroyed mechs as you go. And that's another good good thing for vehicles because they can help fill in the gaps if you have some stuff that gets destroyed and, um, you know, you just don't have the time between battles to repair it. So that is an awesome mechanic that I really love. And I've got a couple of factions that I really gravitate to towards and we're slowly one planet at a time taking over the universe actually i don't think that's possible like you're only one uh one mercenary company like you can do a lot but you can't be everywhere at once and so you know you win and you take over a planet or you defend a key planet but somewhere else you know something's gonna get changed around but that's a lot of fun um and really rewards having varied mech builds and loadouts and just kind of having to be prepared for everything because you can't roll up to a system and be like all right there's these missions and these contracts i need to make sure i prepare you know these mechs for you know for these contract types or whatever it's like nope you just gotta have stuff ready to go you gotta go you know you've got two or three days between every contract um so that's a lot of fun um those are the the big the two big things some other minor features the um, more mechs uh, rebalance for the weapons, um, more weapons, um, more equipment, uh, more pilots. So um, they've added like community content. So if you're a Patreon supporter for this mod, you can um, have you know your own custom uh, characters put into the game, custom vehicles and things like that, sort of based on existing. They're kind of like hero units in some of the other BattleTech Mech Warrior games. Um, that's pretty cool. And every player has access to those. It's just if you support them at the right level on Patreon, then you can create them. Um, and then they've added actually transforming mechs for the um, ah crap. I'm I'm drawing a blank on what they're called, but the mechs that can actually transform between an aerospace fighter and a mech, they have transformations now and have essentially a mech mode and a fighter mode. And in the fighter mode, they get huge boosts to their movement. They don't suffer terrain penalties anymore. There's a couple other things that are different, but they're more fragile because it's like they're flying. Um, and they actually do fly. Like they have got like uh, a hover mode. They, you know, they transform to their flight mode and they fly around. Um, they take more damage while they're flying though. So those are all the features. That's a lot of features. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's, a, that's all the features. So. Battletech Advance 3062. It's great. I've got Oh, let's let's get an update on how many hours I've put into Battletech. <laughs> 1 1853 hours. I don't I don't think you like this game very much. No, you seem you're to right. hate it. I hate you're right. I hate it. It's gross. <laughs> so yeah, Battletech. 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 Okay. What's what, what's your what's your last game? Um, my, my very last game, Get Genshin Impact. Um, this one I probably played less than 
all the other games. Um, I do enjoy it. The story for it's pretty interesting and the combat is well done. For the most part, I don't usually really like, uh, gotcha games. Yeah. Where you have to, you randomly get a chance to actually get a character and a lot of the time it feels pay to win. This one I like just because it doesn't feel like you have to get these new characters in order to move on with the story. Or if there is, I haven't gotten to that point yet. Um, I do know that eventually it can become multiplayer. You can go through and complete quests with other players or your friends. And the the overall story is actually pretty interesting. And the characters are... I think fairly well designed and uh pretty interesting. Um there's only one character that they just kind of give you that I haven't at all enjoyed the gameplay for when it comes to combat and it's like the uh this this witch lady uh her combat's kind of janky but for the most part it's a, it's a lot of fun. You can get some really cute stuff. The, the game's very pretty to look at, and uh, for a game that is, for the most part, free, uh, it's very nice quality, really good voice acting. Uh, the animations are lovely, and the combat system's pretty interesting with having to swap between different element elemental-based characters to fight the most effectively against different enemies. Mm-hmm. Some things I've gotten a little frustrated with is the there are some missions that I've ended up with that seem like I should be a much higher level before I should have been able to accept them. Um, like there's one, it takes you to a mountain and because of the extreme cold temperature, if you don't find a way to warm up, your health will start to drop pretty rapidly. And there's a lot of enemies that are pretty high level there. And I'm, <laughs> I'm definitely not high enough level to deal with it and to be able to fight not die from the cold and get to the point that I need all within a reasonable time. Uh, but I mean, for the most part, I've, I've greatly enjoyed it. You can get it for both on your phone, mobile and on the computer. And then both of them sync up. So like if you're take public transportation or downtime somewhere else, you can play it on your phone and then you come home, you can sync it up and, or it's automatically synced up and then you can just play it on your computer which I like it a lot more on the computer. It's easier to do the controls. That being said, the controls on the phone aren't bad either. It, it's pretty straightforward. Can you use a controller if you play on your phone? Like if you get a Bluetooth controller? I don't know. I don't have a controller, so I've never tried. Um, you might be able to. I've I, So Genshin has been talked about a couple times on the show. I've never played. Uh, Rage has played it. And talked about it once or twice. Um, and I've wanted to play it, but it's just like it keeps, you know, it's one of those things like it keeps falling down on my list of like, what games shall I play today? Eventually I will. And I guess I could, I'll answer that question. <laughs> I've got Bluetooth <laughs> controllers. Uh, it's, uh, it is fun. It's pretty fun. And like I said, the story for it's pretty good. There's, one character that I both love and hate at the same time, but she's kind of your sidekick and companion. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a... <laughs> she's a little gremlin. <laughs> Which is one of the reasons I both love her and hate her at the same time. She's very sassy and 
oftentimes it's when you need her to not be the most. <laughs> it, it's yeah. the, I, I had one friend spoil it for me a little bit, but it, apparently um, a decent portion of the trouble that you get in is because of her. <laughs> um, one thing that surprised me, though, is the dialogue. You can choose between playing a male and a female character, but the dialogue isn't really adjusted for the female any. Um, because no matter what you pick, the other one is going to be like your sibling. And they're always like, we have to go save his sister. And I'm, I'm like, I play the female character. Uh, but they always refer to me as like a he. And then it's like going after my sister. Or I'm the big brother. I'm like, why, why is this an option? You're not even like the, it's not even like the voice acting. It's also the typed out dialogue as well. And that part, it's a very minor thing. But that that part bugs me just a little bit, and then it's yeah. been out for so long that I'm kind of surprised it hasn't been fixed. Because this is a discovery that I had both when it first came out, because I did play it when it was still fairly new, like it hadn't been out for too long. But then I picked it up again here pretty recently and tried playing it, and then the dialogue came up again, and that's not corrected. So I don't I don't know what that part's about. Yeah, I don't either. But my dog being... barked. <laughs> my dog barked and came in here, and I muted on Discord, and I talked to her for a minute. And I'm like, mm, "That's not going to be muted in Audacity. I'm going to have to like go find it." So I purposefully coughed really loud, so I would see that as I scrubbed through the recording. <laughs> well, lazy editing trick right there. I did not hear the dog bark on my end. Well, that's good. Um, but no. That that being said, with that stuff, that's like the only real problem that I think I have. The gotcha system eh. Like I said, I'm not big on gotcha games. Uh, I do every now and then when I get a chance roll to see or like put in points or whatever to see if I can't get a new character or something. But the way to gain the the points without spending money is really slow and I haven't quite figured out how get those yet and that's kind of annoying but otherwise it, it's a it's a fun game it's one that i'd be like yeah i'd recommend it i, I think it's a fun game to play right especially if you like all the cute characters because there's both cute boys and girls i i game. like those things. I, of them. I know you do <laughs> I, I like both of those things i know you do and there's uh... lots of cute boys and girls I love lots of cute boys and girls. I'm not sure which one I like more, though. Depends on my mood. <laughs> I like the cute boys. That that makes sense, based on what I know about you. Yep. <laughs> um, cool beans. Well, we did it. We got through all of our games. It only took us uh, two hours. <laughs> how how are you feeling? Uh, you know, we have been not, you know, when it's edited, it won't quite be two hours. But we have been recording for two hours. Do you need a break? Would you like to call it "quote unquote" early? How how you feeling? Oh oh, great guest of mine. <laughs> I mean, I'm doing pretty good. I could probably fill up my water cup, but that's pretty much it. I I could keep going. Okay. Um. Let's let's pull. Definitely gonna pull that Borderlands movie article. 
I'm, and I'm actively editing show notes on the fly. Super efficient. <laughs> um, but we should still talk, talk about the Twitch hot tub. And since we each, I mean, since we talked about 10 games, I'm good to pull Discovery Q unless you really wanted to do that because it sounded fun. No, that's up to you. I'm, I'm good either way. Okay. And then I'll pull Discovery Q uh, and we'll just talk about Twitch hot tubs and then we'll sign out. We'll, we'll, we'll sign off. I'll do all the, all the, all the plug-in for my stuff and you can plug your stuff. Um, so yeah. So our first, well, our only news topic, our only other topic, the Twitch hot tub meta is changing with a new category. So I'm not going to lie, as someone who doesn't spend very much time on Twitch or following Twitch culture, like, I did not know that there was a Twitch hot tub meta anyways. Like, I knew that sometimes people would dress uh, less or more revealingly, because, I mean, of course they would, like sex sells and all that jazz. And I've heard many stories about the terms of service not be evenly applied to people who do this. I didn't know, though, that there were were people who would like, yeah, I guess, you know, if Twitch won't let me do this while I'm sitting at my desk, I'll just go sit in a hot tub or a pool or whatever. And enough people have done this that it's becoming its own category. Yeah, um, I learned about this. Like, I don't watch in the just chatting section. Um, I might pop on for that for someone that I watch fairly frequently, but I don't just browse the just chatting section. I'm not as interested in popping in with some random person that I know absolutely nothing about and just talking with them about random subjects. I don't know if we have anything in common. Um, It's a lot easier to do that with people that I'm like, oh yeah, no, they play a lot of games and I hear about things that they talk about. It's a little bit easier with them, but so I didn't come across this from me browsing Twitch. I actually follow a couple drama channels on YouTube and stuff that they talk about some of the stuff that happens on Twitch on occasion. And this came up like, I want to say a month, maybe two months ago about this being a, a common problem where they were just flooding the just chatting sections. And I do have thoughts on it, but... <laughs> I gotta give, I gotta give them this that was clever because there is a very specific rule about, uh, you're not supposed to wear, like, just to keep people from wearing bikinis, just to wear bikinis because it's not meant to be that type of streaming service. Yeah. And it comes off to me like it's a diet version of that type of streaming service. <laughs> yeah. I am certainly the farthest thing from a prude that you will you will ever find. So I don't I don't give a shit what people wear or don't wear and how they present themselves on the internet as long as they are sort of upfront about it so that you know like me as a parent can make sure that if my kid is watching Twitch or YouTube or whatever like at least try to be able to avoid things that are inappropriate for his age. But like otherwise like I don't care. Um I just think that it's like, yeah, I mean, I agree with you that like Twitch is not that type of streaming service. Like if you want to watch porn, go watch porn. Like that's my, that's my feeling on it. But as someone who doesn't engage with Twitch or really streaming at all, 
I don't know how much of an opinion I can actually have outside of that, but you know, I I, I found this an interesting news topic, and also since you were going to be here, I was like, oh yeah, as someone who does engage with Twitch, and you said like I have thoughts, so I want to hear what your thoughts are, unless those were just all of your thoughts. But I mean, it it was a decent portion of the thoughts, like because it's not the type of streaming service, and while I don't really care if um girls are gonna hop on there even guys because there are some guys that do it too i don't really care if they hop on there and then people join them just for their looks there have been some rather bratty ladies that have come out of that specific type of category where they are only following and giving them money because they're attractive um i it's not my audience. It's not going to affect the type of people that are going to come and watch me. Uh, I don't really show my face when I stream. People aren't going to hop on and be expecting a face cam with a scantily clad lady. And even if I do decide to ever <laughs> stream and show my face and all that stuff, I don't dress like that in my day-to-day. And I certainly wouldn't be very comfortable doing that for my streams um the breasts will not be exposed for their for their pleasure no (laughs) i might wear a v-neck but it's not going to be like deep (laughs) v-neck um but so it it doesn't affect my audience any if they want someone to watch play games and chat with and they're come to me for that if they want that type of contact we'll go over there really my only issue that i really have with it is like i said it's not that type of streaming platform i mean initially you could make the argument that it's changing because initially it was just video games and then later on categories for like art and then the just chatting feature ended up popping up um for a while i i will say for a while i did watch people doing cooking streams which does that fall under the just chatting um i think so i don't remember if they have a specific category but they probably do um because i know that there are people that do the cooking streams and then there's some where they just like clean their house or give gardening tips and stuff like that and i think i think that's kind of interesting i don't i haven't watched any of it myself but the fact that that's a niche that somebody likes to watch is is pretty cool um i've seen which as like if you look at their their ban list they ban all the very obviously like racy very pornographic type of games um they don't ban all the super mature games just ones like that so people hopping on it and trying to push that specifically it it bothers me a little bit. Um, they can go hang out in their category, though. <laughs> I I'll never I'll probably never see them because I don't ever hop over onto those kind those sections. So they can do what they want. I there's definitely no way I'll be able to stop them, even if I wanted to. Yeah, I I do think that <clears throat> Twitch culture being sort of a knock-on of of american culture i don't i don't actually know if the twitch developers um which were i think the justin tv developers that switched over to twitch or what i don't know the whole story behind that i don't actually know if they are american themselves 
But Twitch very much has sort of an American value set. At least that's what it tries to project. I've always found it weird how that that Western culture or American culture is okay with violence, but not with like sexual content. And I totally understand like you don't want kids to see people having like full on like hardcore sex. Like that's fine. But also you don't want kids to see like hardcore like violence and stuff either. So I, you know, I don't know. I feel like some of these lines are drawn in weird places that are very much informed by their Western cultural roots. But I do, I do agree with you. I don't know much about the origins of Twitch either. Um, I'm fairly new to the platform myself. I've probably hopped on it a few times over the years, but it's only more recently have I really been getting on it. Um, and there is, I believe, a box you can check that if the stream is going to be more mature, like there's no like this is a kid friendly stream, but there is one's like warning this is a mature game type of thing. And I do think for the games that are a little bit more sexual because like they they allow the ones that um have sexual themes in it i i know that for sure because i've like looked through the games the ones that they put are the really heavy pornographic games like there's a game i can't remember the exact title but it's literally about rape and that's the whole point of the game it's stuff like that that they've mainly blocked off um so you you could probably get away with streaming sexual games um probably more so as a small streamer than if you're a big one i'm not entirely sure yeah but not as i don't think they're as strict on those games as a lot of people think they do like they don't promote or suggest that you do it they do are leaning more towards don't than do, but just look through the game. And if the game you want to play is not on their ban list, you're, you're going to be fine. <laughs> yeah. Their ban That's list fair. isn't super long. I think there's like 20 games on the ban list in total. So at least last yeah. I checked, there might be more, maybe even i think that there might be more than there might actually be. I don't remember the exact amount, but yeah. So I, I did. I looked up Twitch on Wikipedia uh, and Twitch is an American uh, company, uh, American-based. They uh, spun off of Justin TV, which was... I don't, I don't even know if Justin's TV is still around, but Justin TV was much more sort of general, generic streaming, and Twitch spun off as gaming-specific, although I guess it's come full, full circles because Twitch has got a lot more generic stuff now as well. Yeah. And then they got bought by Amazon. Yep. You can, if you have Amazon Prime, you can give a free subscription to somebody that you like that could take subscriptions. Um, and it doesn't get added to like your Amazon Prime bill and it doesn't come out of your pocket. This is basically like giving them free money. So, which I yeah. think is pretty neat that they do that. That is pretty cool. My dog is barking at me again. I think she needs to go outside. Okay. So I'm going <laughs> to step away for just a second. I'm sorry. No, you're all good. All right. Back. Thanks. I've been trash talking you the whole time. That's that's fair. <laughs> I am a trash person, so fits with my brand. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, there will be a blank in the recording. So, did you have any any sort of final 
final thoughts for Twitch? I don't think I have anything else to say. Just this was an interesting conversation. Glad no. to have your opinion. <laughs> no, I don't really have any more to add to it. Um, it's kind of annoying to me that it's a it's a thing, but at the same time, I don't care that enough to. I don't care that much about it. It's more okay. of just like you hear about it and your eyes roll a bit, and then you just move on. <laughs> right. Fair play. Fair play. Well, alrighty then. Uh, this is going to be the weirdest show notes I've ever done because it's two literally just two things, and then you're going to scroll down and you're going to see the game's played list, and you're going to be like, oh, "Holy shit!" But hey, you know that's okay. We actually talked about video games on this here video games podcast. Um, <laughs> where can they find all of your stuff? Where are you at on all the socials? I still have all your links from last time, so you don't have to give those to me again to put in the notes, but to to tell the the good good listeners where they can find your sweet sweet content where can they do that yeah i've got an instagram um at pink spooter spelled with two little o's but switch is also pink spooter but that is spooter with two zeros instead of o's and then my instagram at pink spider wait no twitter was pink spooter with the two little o's instagram pink spider Twitch was correct. And then recently I have opened up a Redbubble to try to start selling some of the works and stuff that I make as like stickers and some of them phone cases and stuff like that. Um, just because I thought it'd be interesting to try it. But that is under Pink Spooter, two zeros for O's. I'll give you the link to that one because that one's a thing that I actually made within like the last couple days. Um, so it's pr- pretty new. <laughs> yes, please, please do give me that link. Oh, right, right away. There it is. Well, I already had it open on my thing, ready to upload a new thing. So I was like, I'll just go ahead and grab it. <laughs> oh, sweet. You get your thick, thick mermaid as a sticker. Yeah, my mermaid. You can get her as a sticker. <laughs> oh damn that's one thick mermaid <laughs> i approve i approve of this mermaid i'm glad you approve it you and my entire D party that she's one of my D characters that i turned into a mermaid and they all completely simp for her and it's absolutely hilarious i mean i'm i'm not gonna lie i'm simping for her right now too yeah not quite yeah. as much as i simp for the big steppy lady from resident evil but you know I'm pretty sure I don't think I can beat Big Steppy Lady for a lot of people, but eh, it's fine. <laughs> all right, I interrupted you. Was that all of your things? Oh, yeah, no, that was all my things. My, my okay. Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, and now my Redbubble. Sweet. Um, as for me, you can find me on the YouTubes by searching for Gaming Psychologists on Twitter at JMA4707. You can be my friend on Discord as well, or Steam, jarthur4707. Um, see, I guess I have to do this. Usually Rage does this. Let me get up here to the list. So you can, uh, let's see, you can reach us at vglpodcast at gmail.com. If you have letters, voicemails, or gaming-related topics, you can tweet us at vglpodcast. If you want to support us on Patreon so that you can continue to enjoy this madness and pay for our uh, hosting fees, you can do so over at patreon.com slash VGL podcast. 
if you want to follow us directly, you can do so over at vglpodcast.podbean.com. You can also find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and anywhere else that fine, fine podcasts are sold. Like, we'll be, you know, sort of in the dregs beneath the fine podcasts. Um, Our Discord is uh, VGL Podcast, and our intro outro music is On the Ground by Kevin McLeod, and you can find his work over at incompudeck.com. And always, it's so weird to lead into myself with that, because usually Rage does. Uh, <laughs> as always, though, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice, bye bye now. Bye. Bye-bye.